What's going on? Welcome back to the Film Fit Podcast, where we sit down and talk with other creators and creatives talking about their processes and their experiences. Today, I'm joined with Tanner Sells, or MT Sells, some might call him. Tanner, what's going on? Howdy. Happy to be here. I'm glad you're here. Before we get started, I just got to say, vibes in this studio right now, immaculate. I come in, air quality out of 10. I feel like I'm at the top of Everest. I'm just breathing in some crisp it's set Air. at a, a crisp 70 degrees. I always, love it. Always 70 degrees. People come in here, right? So on Sundays, people use my office to like use that station over in the corner. Naturally. And when they come in here, I'll walk back in my office. And it's like a sauna because they're like, oh, it's so cold in here. I'm like, oh, well, I notice no. it's not they your don't office. Get it. They don't notice get it. that you, yeah, dude, it makes me. They don't get it, man. They don't. And they like just sit in a, in a, it gets stuffy. There's no proper airflow. Dude. It's just, it's miserable. You know, I heard this 30% of people. That work in cooler conditions, they perform better when they're working. Look at me. And I and I'm the fact that you fell for that, oh, like 50% of people fall for random sets. Uh-huh. And I'm top tier, and 30%. So that really brings us to our subject today, guys, statistics. That's what we're going to be talking about the whole podcast. We're going to be talking about math, science. Um, we're, we're really going over the STEM program at <sighs> The Ohio State right. University. Hi, welcome our third guest, Coach Urban Meyer. Thank yep. you for coming on. I also got to say... Back to the vibes. I got to say, when I come in here, dude, you asked me, you gave me an array of options for my drink. Mm-hmm. You put a Red Bull in my hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm feeling like royalty. You There's should. only one thing here. I mean, you got the painting. You got the Zen garden. There's only one thing. When I sit down in this chair, and I hate to be that guy. No other guest has mentioned it, but I'm going to be that guy because I know what they're thinking. Is your goal to make me the most uncomfortable person alive? Like, are you interrogating me so you can yep. get the inf- information out of me right now? Because That's actually, this no, chair, it feels like I'm sitting on... A bag of br- a sack of bricks, if you will. Uh, they don't put we, bricks in sacks. No, but that's, that's how we feels. that's how we keep the broadcast short. Right. Is the more it's kind of like a restaurant. You right. know how like when you go into a restaurant, it's super uncomfortable sometimes. No, I don't. What restaurants are you eating at, dude? All of them. You all should the try new chains. Those like sounds like terrible experiences. Well, every time I go to like some like you know how much I love Red Robin, but I feel like every time I'm in there, I'm like, wow, I feel like you're rushing me out of here. It's always <laughs> it's always extra cold. This this I feel like I'm always getting the cold shoulder. The service is always dog. At Reddy's? At Ready Robins, bro. I will say they have been off their game. When They're I order, and going, bro. when I order honey, they don't come out in a tray anymore. Mm-mm. They make me squeeze my own honey yep. out of a out, out of a, a sack. That's what I'm How saying. How dare bro. they? Yeah, that's all I'm saying. And, that's and really it's what's probably part of their scheme to rush you out of there. Right. The one of the worst thing when I'm in a restaurant too long. Wonder mm-hmm. how I know if I'm in a restaurant too long. Mm-hmm. The you know how your butt gets like that stingy feeling. Uh huh. Like what is that vinyl burn? Vinyl it's like burn. that vinyl burn. And that's just we've all been there. That's the good stuff, though. That's just you know you've been per- you've been sitting on your perch too long. Mm-hmm. But anyway, other than this chair that was made for, you know, torture during World War II. Yep, yep, yep. I really appreciate IKEA. I really the <laughs> Swedish made it. So yeah, I'm three, I don't know what that means. Two out of ten. Two, I'll would. take the I'll Swedish take would ten. make it. At least it made it past one, right? I but I do appreciate the hospitality. Hey, that's what I'm here for. What are we here for? Tell us what we're here so for. So we're here for the Film Fit podcast. I wanted to bring you on, sit down, talk a little bit, talk about your, again, processes and some of your experiences in, in kind of what got you here today. So I think that's that's what we'll start. That's what we'll, we'll start with the first question being, what kind of sparked your creative interest in the world of filmmaking, in the world of creativity? What What was like that aha moment of, yes, I want to be that Good question. Um, it would probably be, I used I always wanted to do creative things. Like I grew up in a very creative household where my parents were super open minded to uh, the creative process, and 
um, supporting us in the things we do. And like I started acting at a very young age, but I kind of could tell I wanted a life in film or at least writing because that's where I got most of my start. And as you know, where most of my passion is is on the writing aspect because I didn't start directing really till a, you know, a year ago. So um, definitely I used to want to write books. That's how it started. I wanted to write I books. And then I have ADHD, and that's a bad mix books with books because I can't sit down to read a book, let alone sit down to write one. So I was like, well, what's something I love where I can write things but skip the whole boring part? And I'm not a very grammatically correct mm-hmm. speaker and or writer, which you'll find out here. Thankfully, in film, you don't have to be. You just have to write the way people speak. And I feel like I do a good job at that. So that's what sparked my interest. And I was like, well, I love movies. Movies were something I would do a lot with my family. And specifically my dad, we'd watch a lot of movies together since a young age, go to the movies a lot. And so I was like, why don't I just start writing movies? I loved coming up with concepts and ideas. But now let me actually put, you know, pen to paper. Pen, yeah. And pen to paper. That's pen to paper. Pen to thought. Mind to thought. No, pen to paper is right. Pen to paper? Yeah. Mind to... P- no, that's the right. I think that's the saying. Pen to paper. I've heard that said. I've heard it said. Pen to paper. Okay. Pen to paper. It's time to finally Sweet. put the pen Which to paper. If the, if you're writing a script with a pen and a paper, I mean you're, you're on something. Doing it real wrong. But yeah, pen to paper to write a movie, and that's where I'm at now. So what was that movie that you watched and was like, I like, I want to figure out how they did it, why they did it. I want to figure out the the the, the process behind it. Like, was there a, a a movie? Easy, and I think you know. Yeah, it's Goodwill Hunting. It's a good one. That's a great one. Goodwill Hunting is my favorite movie of all time. I don't know if it's the greatest movie of all time because I've seen some bomb movies recently that I might put over it. But Goodwill Hunting is my favorite movie of all time and mm-hmm. will be forever and ever because it's the movie that made me uh, do what I'm doing and made me start writing. And it's because um, it's written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. um, the initial version. And I don't know if you. If you know, but they actually started writing Goodwill Hunting as a um, project for a high school creative writing class. Mm-hmm. And so they were my age when they were writing. And you just watch these two young kids take something they're passionate about and turn it into, you know, an Oscar winning. Uh, I believe it's Oscar winning. Robin Williams won an Oscar. An Oscar winning project. And um, won an Oscar for that movie? Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Robin Williams did. Yeah, yeah. And I think. I think. I don't think it's best picture, but I think they might have won. I mean, they might have best original screenplay. Yeah, best original screenplay. Yeah. But um, screenplay. Screenplay. It's the new version. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I just watching that come to life, and then the way it's written is all dialogue, all conversation, super smart story. It just I fell in love with it, and I wanted to make people feel the way they felt. The um, way you felt when the you made people the feel the way I felt, the way they felt when they felt the like watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, me and uh, Zach touched on that the last episode. It's like the entire reason that we got into creating is because we had a feeling once. Like we, something sparked our interest once. And we were like, yeah, we want other people to experience that. Or we want to experience it all the time. We can quite literally, when you become a filmmaker, you can recreate those feelings yourself that you, whenever you like go to a theater or whenever, whatever, like you can Mm -hmm. actually create those nostalgic feelings yourself. Dude, some of those nostalgic feelings are embedded with like film culture in general like going to the theater mm-hmm. like okay i'll be honest i was at a point where i was despising going to the theater every time i went i mean we have people coughing to the right of me we have youths starting a ruckus and talking during ruckus, the movie yeah. getting on their phone like going to the theater on a good theater day there's mm-hmm. nothing like it though like popcorn it makes up drinks for it. the yeah. worst experience i've ever had in the theater is still 
it's still I mean, I mean I'd still go back and back because just the feeling you get when you step in there to sit down to enjoy the movie. Granted, the experience is way worse than if you just watch it at home. Yeah, like you could, you, you said, I mean, yeah, like sitting at home, like the idea of streaming Netflix and all that kind of stuff, like it's actually better. Right. One, you're reaching more eyes. Two, you are, you get to sit at the comfort of your home. You can have as many people in there as you want for like one flat fee. And then number two, you get, you can have your popcorn, you can have your own snacks. It's, it's cheaper, it's smarter, it's more comfortable, you never have to leave your house. But yet there's nothing like but it. But yet there's nothing, there's like, nothing going like going to, to the theater. theater. And no matter how much pain and suffering and torture and coughing and people chewing so loud behind you. You get to go back every it's single time. So I, I it's, would go back every time. It's worth it, yeah. yeah. It is worth it. And, um, and things like DVDs. I mean, DVDs are dead. We watched DVDs rise mm-hmm. and fall in our generation. Yeah, like, we were a part of the Blu-ray era. Like, I mean, that was right. our childhood, right? Like, I mean... It was the most... It was, I mean, it was the f- the furthest stride in technology as far as movies when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. is the only way we could watch them. And then Apple TV came along and just, and like, streaming. punched it all in the face. Right, yeah. and I'll still prefer, like, movies I really enjoy, mm-hmm. even if I watch them initially on a streaming service, I still prefer to go out and buy There's them something on... about right. buying a DVD... And yeah. Putting it in your play, PlayStation, Xbox, or you know, Blu-ray, yeah, Blu-ray and just player, watching it like having a tangible copy. Like I'm going off to college. Yeah, and you and get someone, to like, someone said, "Why don't you just burn all your DVDs onto a hard drive and you can watch one there?" I'm like, because there's nothing like no. you. Because like when I was a kid, and like there's actually this nostalgic feeling of me growing up that when we were a kid, we had this black cabinet in our living room. The classic black, movie. It cabinet. was a black cabinet, and you would open it up, and from top to bottom was blu-rays was dvds and that's what's great about that and it's crazy get, and you got to and like <laughs> and so like we would open that bad girl up right? right and one of two things would be happening one we would either be opening it because we just got a new one and we were putting it in there mm-hmm. or we were like yo let's watch a movie tonight like i remember pour, pulling out and i know this is your favorite action movie pulling out you know the jason Bourne Ooh. movies and we plug those bad Ooh. girls in and and like that was like us growing up or like we would pull out the harry potter movies right. and to me, like i grew up on those like that was right. like a lot of older filmmakers a lot of people we look up to you know grew up on your your jaws they grew up on your star wars and like they grew up on those you know classics you know your et's things like that and as much as I love those movies and as much as I love Breakfast Club and as much as I love going back and watching all those movies because they were classics, but to us, what we grew up on were Transformers, were, you know, Jason Bourne movies, were, uh, you know, Harry Potter's, like, we grew up on a totally different era of movies. Still Star Wars. Still Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, different Star Wars, but but you, the one that's great about the movie cabinet, mm-hmm. the ye old movie cabinet mm-hmm. is the random assortment of movies yeah it was you never... have like lady in the tramp uh-huh to like return to me to like you know the second movie in the harry potter series but none but of the you others. can't <laughs> find the other ones because they weren't organized yeah you like, never know the, what you're gonna movie, get yeah. like i remember going in there and like trying to organize the movie cabinet and like y- you would like have like the third fourth and seventh harry potter movie and you're like what is going on right now right and then like i remember watching uh What's that moment movie called? Double mm-hmm. Seven, James Bond. Oh. Loved that movie. Well, I grew up on that. Well, kind of. Which I don't know if I had bad parents for letting me watch Double uh, Seven at such good a young parents. Age. Those are great parents. Those are great parents. I watched the other guys when I was like six. Other guys is a phenomenal movie, dude. Will Ferrell and the Mark Wahlberg combo. I love watching, and it's I don't know duo. why. It's the it's the LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, the Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen of. Of, of comedy of film, com- comedy film. It's the, it's the era of right. of greatness. But something else about that, um, about the the discs. Like, there's something magical about opening a disc, mm-hmm. and it's like a fifty fifty raffle if it's going to be there in there or not. Yes. <laughs> or or on top of it is 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 a disc one, 
or is it disc two? Oh yeah. Or sometimes there would be a disc behind the like a bonus disc. Did you ever yeah. get the, the Blu-ray oh, with it's the like, bonus disc? It's like and when they'd be behind the pieces of paper in the left right. side of it. It's like they're putting like prizes in cereal boxes. Uh-huh. They're just throwing discs around willy nilly. Yeah. There's no way these companies are making overhead by giving away so many discs. No. <laughs> no, they were just in it for the the passion. Oh, okay, okay. So I remember Blu-rays, right? And there was two movies that like right before we switched to digital that that I remember. Blu-ray. First off, yeah, we had Blu-ray, so we had a ton of like the <laughs> blue right, the blue packages. But then Green Hornet. Oh wow! They released a Blu-ray, and their Blu-ray was a green package instead of a blue package. Like you would like wow. the disc box, the the casing was That's green. That's good marketing. So much cooler. That's a good. And then movie. Avengers, not Avengers, Thor, or Iron Man. Thor. Which is the red one? Iron Man. Yeah. He, what? His the first Iron Man movie on Blu-ray was a red casing. Mm. I the only Iron Man copy I have is like a boot. You know how many of those bootlegged illegal? Mm-hmm. I have a guy. My dad, my, d- my dad had a guy. My dad is the guy. My dad is the guy. I'm so many just like, and the copy, like the cover of them are just like poorly printed, yep. like black and white yep. versions of the film. It you was know, just something they jank. just printed off their printer just so you right. can, don't get unorganized. I also want to preface, like, my beard is getting all up in this mic, so I hope it's not You're fine. disrupting anything. I have a thick beard. Yeah, just ima- listeners listening right now, just imagine a full Dude, face Do you not see how, yeah, it's massive. <laughs> he has a massive beard. Uh, we're being serious. Yes. We're being very serious. So you talk about like good film combos, mm-hmm. and a lot of that comes from chemistry. Yeah. So where do you think? I'm curious to ask you. Like, in order, you have people that like there. You have big superstars in movies that mm-hmm. can't work. Like, you can't might not work well together. Like, um, Little Things, that yep. was a great movie yep. on paper. Insane sta- cast. I don't know if you saw it. Mm-hmm. Insane cast with Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, and um, Rami Malek. That's his name, right? Yeah, yep. Rami Malek. And it didn't do what I wanted it to do. I felt like yeah. the chemistry was off as far as the characters because sometimes you need two good bass players to work together. So yeah. what do you think chemistry? I know. I think that happens all the time. And uh, another example of, the, of, of chemistry, I think, falling apart was the original Suicide Squad. Haven't seen the second one. But I think the original Suicide it's Squad. Out. What are you doing, man? I know. I'm slacking. I haven't seen it either. But kidding? the original Suicide Squad, I feel like it was a stacked cast. I mean, Jared Leto, you had your Will Smith, Margot Robbie, like – just those, like, just three of those characters stacked, but I didn't feel like any of them worked well together. Like, it was like, to me, it was a hodgepodge of superstars that didn't create a greater story. Now, that had to do with the, the writing being absolutely Right, that's what I was about to garbage. say. A, a big part of that is but, I mean, poor writing. But, like, at plot. least, like, I would, I thought, like, it just seemed like everybody was like, okay, yeah, we're just kind of here to get our paychecks. Like, yeah. this is a cool concept. You know, none of them felt sold out about it, but... Yeah, so that, I don't think any of them had chemistry, and, and I don't think chemistry is really easy to build. Because, I mean, for example, like you and I have been working together, right? We, I mean, we've made... Almost 10 years now. 10 years of content of <clears throat> failing, of trying, and failing, of tri- failing and trying, so on and so forth. And so I think some of your best combos come from when you're able to fail together just as much as when you're able to succeed together. That's mm. when you have good chemistry. There's sometimes there's natural chemistry like on on Broken, uh, both Kiara, let's say Kiara and Jake, like their chemistry was like second to none, just out of nowhere. Like they just hit it off, and so stuff like that. I mean, you can't really figure out, but like the formula, I would say, to good chemistry is being able to fail together just as much as you're willing to succeed together. Definitely, you have to put risk in. Mm-hmm. If you're not putting any risk. Like, if you're not in a position where it's possible you're going to fail, like, I don't think good content's going to come from that. Like, I 
I think you can definitely there's there's something safe to say. We did all we could as far as planning, mm-hmm. which helped us with our chemistry a lot more because mm-hmm. we did everything. You're referring to Broken, yeah? Yes, okay. Broken, the short film that we worked on together. Mm-hmm. Um, we put in... Instagram in the show notes. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. We put in hours and hours of planning, of of um, like schedule writing, of just making sure we're as organized as possible mm-hmm. so we can move forward and um, with our chemistry. And that doesn't mean we're not gambling a little bit. Like, we're definitely... We we I think we stopped ourselves from planning every detail because you need to account for that things are gonna go mm-hmm. wrong sometimes, and you need to show that you're willing to fail with your project in order for it to succeed. Like you're willing to take some losses, mm-hmm. on, especially on set. You need oh to gosh, take some yeah. losses in order to um. You have to sacrifice things. Everyone on both sides of the camera in every position sometimes have to make sacrifices for the project, and it just takes someone else. Yeah, to uh, tell someone that, and that's where that helps with chemistry mm-hmm. when you can listen to someone and trust them. Mm-hmm. If you're just, yeah, I think chemistry is trust. You know, I think right. that's like, like how much do you trust me? And and I think that I trust, trust is built. Right, I think that trust, and I think you know the the word chemistry. I think that is built when I and I touched on this in the last like the short form episode, the the why, like why I create, why I do what I do, and. Because if you, if you, if I know my why, then I'm sold out on my idea. If you know my why, if I, like, if you say, oh, I understand where he's coming from. I know why he's doing what he's doing. And if I understand why you're doing what you're doing, then together we get sold out on this idea of working Mm. together. Like, I know why you're so passionate about this project. You know why I'm so passionate about the project. Therefore, together we're able to get sold out on this. We're able to trust each other and we're able to build that chemistry just naturally. Whereas if you're a sports fan, whereas if you take it to like a sports perspective, Mm -hmm. like if you're building a super team of players who don't know each other's backgrounds or don't know Mm -hmm. what type of player they are, don't know the type of stuff they need, Mm -hmm. it's that's great. You have a great super team, but you're not going to have longevity and you're not Mm going to be able to work together. And I always root for those like. All these big teams mm-hmm. being made in the league now. Like I always root for the small teams with good chemistry, like the Hornets of the bunch and people that can mm-hmm. pass the ball. Like it's fun to. This isn't a sports podcast, I promise. I'm making yeah, it yeah. a comparison, but um, like it's really important to show that mm. when people know the counterparts and they know how their how yep. their teammates are going to react to things and why, like exactly what you said, why they're doing what they're doing, they're going to perform better. So how do you think people can? How do you express? why you're doing what you're doing like i hate to backtrack on what no. we no yeah because uh, yeah i week, think but. i think knowing your yeah i think knowing your why and like and how to express your why is to dialogue openly and the reason we have good chemistry is because over the last 10 years we've been dialoguing openly about what are our strengths so like i know what you're strong in but i also know what you're weak in and so therefore my, the, when my chemistry have no weaknesses well kryptonite you know lead <laughs> things like that but what mercury yeah mercury poisoning well lead uh, superman can't see through lead oh really yeah you were calling me superman yeah that's why i was kryptonite. kryptonite i see yeah your weakness is um you're uh you're really not strong at all you're, okay you can't bench yep <laughs> <laughs> and your legs you have terrible legs. I have no, weak, i'm kidding you're a soccer player i have weak knees Continue though. What were you saying before I? Knowing your why. Oh, strengths, weaknesses. Yeah, like I think the best way to uh, convey, or the best way to develop chemistry is I'm willing to pick up where you're weak, and you're willing to pick up where mm. I'm weak, and then I'm also willing to boost your strengths, and you're willing to boost my full strength. circle sacrifices. Yeah, full circle. Yeah, because if you're not able to like where where you 
would frustrate somebody else, I have to be willing to say, oh, that's just where he's falling short, so I'm going to pick up the slack there. And, and now, Which means and you now, might be dropping a, yes. dropping something that you're better at. Uh-huh. To, to pick up and to, to push this overall. Because it's like the saying, we're only as strong as our weakest link. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm not willing to strengthen that weak link, because it's going to be a weak link, there's going to be a weak link somewhere. So if I'm not willing to strengthen the weak link, then as a corporate, we're going to fail. It's not because they're weak, but it's because I'm not willing to sacrifice to make them strong. Dang. That's good. Somebody write, that, write down. that down. Write that down. Write that down. What are you doing? Write it down. Scribble, scribble. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think... And we're lucky to – not many people can say they have a partner that they've worked with for as long as we have. And part of that has just came from knowing how we operate, knowing, like you said, knowing the strengths and weaknesses, and then communicating. Like communicating is really where it all mm-hmm. – Yeah, communication is key. I, did you write? Did you make that up? Communication, did you make that up? I've never heard that before. Yeah, right off the top of my head. That came off my dome. Wow. Mm-hmm. Communication is key. I can see that on like a – like a poster, like, like above a, my work. Like a mug or something. Communication like is a key mug. Or like a key. Oh, that you put but like it's a house. little oversized, right. so like it can be a key chain. No, no, it can just be, yeah, well, no, it's like a real key and just says communication on it. Oh, communication oh, it is, is the key. And then it's the key. Wow. Wow. Dude, we're going to be That's billionaires. Good. So not only are we filmmakers, but we're, we're geniuses. Right, and lawyers of copyright infringement. Yep. Because there's no way anyone's thought of that before. Yep. But however cliche it is, I totally agree. That is... That's where it all comes from. Yes, this is truth. So, while we were talking about that, we kind of we kind of went on a little bit of a ramble there. We we're ramblers. We're a rambling we're, bunch. We are. We're ramblers. That's what they call us. I back. need to think more before I speak. A lot of times, no, it's okay. Because I just start going in circles, so I apologize. Where? <clears throat> well, not where. So we referenced broken that we were filming on the broken. Broken set. the short film. Broken the short film. So for those who. Who, th- those listeners who have no idea what the broken short film is that we're referring to, give them a little bit of a yeah. of a rundown. Sweet. So, um, broken is a uh, it's a short film, guys. It's about the cycle of poverty and the breaking of it, and it follows a uh, low income family in Chicago and starts in 1998, and just takes an excerpt of their life and the struggles that they face um, because of their economic um, situation mm-hmm. and the sacrifices that they make to stay afloat. And how a lot of times your situation isn't due to the fact that you don't want to work hard. It's due to the fact that there's, you know, the world systemic problems you. in a lot of ways that are keeping you down. And that, But that also doesn't mean that, that those problems can't be broken. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Uh, you know this. It came from there's a song called In the Ghetto. And it's by Elvis. Elvis Presley. And Elvis was he was pretty known for being pretty open minded mm-hmm. as far as the issues that were being talked about in his day. Um, but in this song, it's about the same thing. It follows a family, a low-income family, who uh, gets tied up in the wrong things because they have to make sacrifices to survive. And it l- ends with um, a pretty sad, dark, dead-end ending. Mm-hmm. And then the cycle repeats in the song. Yep. And it all starts over, but with another family. Mm-hmm. And what type of message do you get from that? That you is get, un- it's unbreakable. That right. is unbreakable. You don't get a hopeful message at all, and it feels like, oh, these these sad, mm-hmm. poor people. And it's a terrible – it's a nice sentiment, but it ends up being a bad message in the fact that there's nothing these people can there's do no about hope. their situation. Yeah, it's like, there's no hope. It's. I mean, it was nice that Elvis, right, it was progressive of him to recognize that there was an issue, right, but 
he didn't look as so far to recognize that there's right. hope to get out of it ever in, in any hope to ever get out of the issue. It's right. just like you're in this, this situation and you're stuck in it. So right. broken is the and just because the the, the you know the odds are, the odds are stacked against mm-hmm. you doesn't mean you can't yeah. win and overcome that. So that's we take that when I initially wrote it, it was the same type of ending. Mm-hmm. And then I read this and I was like, God, I'm sad. Yeah. Like it just is not. And a also kind story. of unoriginal. <laughs> yeah, very unoriginal. So I took a spin off and I rewrote the ending and I write the breaking of that uh, cycle. And then I invite you over. We read it together. Mm. Initially at the time, seven page script. Yep. I mean, it's 30, it's 30, 30 pages now. So yeah, it's a 30 minute I can't film. imagine. I mean, do you even remember how basic and raw it was oh, in that yeah. form? I mean, it was, it's crazy. Yeah, it was. The like the oh my gosh yeah like it was like the apartment scene right it was nothing it, it was, was the, the learning how to fight and that's and really then, like, the challenge the of ending. short films that's really the challenge you have to in a limited very limited thirty I mean, minutes most of the time say, yeah. a tenth yeah. of what a, a full film is you have to you have to develop Tell characters a full, full circle story right you have to develop characters first off to, yeah mm-hmm. develop create characters mm-hmm. second off make them relatable. Mm-hmm. You have, to, hard you, have to, is. you have to latch on to a character right. in, what, 30 seconds? And then make a, f- a plot with a full story yep. arc? Yep. And I don't know. So that's something that's already a challenge in and of itself. Yeah, short Let alone the fact that we're two suburban white guys writing a race story yeah. about um, also low-income family. Mm-hmm. And Which so, we weren't in. Yeah, right. like we were in, you know, a, 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 like a middle-class family. Like we were in an upper-middle right. class. Like, so, yeah. You want to be those guys... That when, and especially as I was writing, I didn't want to be that that white writer that mm-hmm. was you know telling a story that wasn't accurate. So when you write something you don't know, which that's the number one rule of writing is write, write what you know. You know yeah. When you write something you don't know, you have to do your research, mm-hmm. or else you can't write those things. If you're going to challenge yourself by writing something you don't know, mm-hmm. you have to be able to make those calls. You have to be able to interview people. Yeah. It can't be your perspective because what do you know? <laughs> you yeah. don't have anything. I mean, if I if I didn't ask. Any African Americans or any pe- any people with like low income mm-hmm. families. If I didn't ask any of their perspective as far as you know being it being about a uh, black yep. family specifically, if I didn't ask any of those important questions, what am I going to tell people of color that they don't yep. already know? Yep, absolutely nothing. They're not going to learn anything from me. Yeah, like if you're if you're just from the an outside perspective, right? Like if you're j- just as much like if you're telling a story of my pr- from my perspective. Then I'm going to tell an inaccurate right. story because it has to be from the perspective of the people in the story, and not because you don't have the right intention. Mm-hmm. It's because you don't. You know. just don't know. You have you no. D- you have you no don't have idea. the right information. Yeah. Right. You might have the right idea. You might have the right intention. Mm-hmm. You don't have the right experience. Yeah. So like when we the first film we ever wrote was a feature length film mm-hmm. challenge, is uh, the change that we seek, and there's the scene where this guy gets in a car accident and has some, um, yeah, some uh, tumor on his brain and some mental t- uh, mental trauma. Um, on his on his prefrontal cortex specifically, we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, there, we know nothing about the we brain. We could have yeah. easily just sat there and you know bullcrapped the situation uh-huh. in the in the surgery, but we called <laughs> a doctor, mm-hmm. specifically a neurosurgeon, and we asked about these experiences. And like, we are asked they if feasible? Yeah, like would this happen? Because like, right. if it's not feasible, then one of two things are gonna uh, one of two things are gonna happen. Either we're gonna blow over everybody's head and nobody's right. gonna recognize the mistake. Except or, for the or there's gonna be doctors sitting in there and they're going to watch the movie and then that's all they're gonna be able to keep their minds on. And that's not what the the focus of the story no. is. The focus of the story isn't how he got like or isn't the the actual incident itself. It's how the incident right. impacted his life. So you and gotta so, solve them. And so you have to just like we can't get hung up on the on the nitty gritty, which right. some people would get hung up on. And so that's why you just have to take your time. You just solve it so they don't prepared. get hung up on. Yeah. And uh 
I touched on it like in the first the first episode of the podcast, and in and like I think it relates to this really well. Is you write like you have like you're wanting to make the film, right? So like opportunity, the opportunity is the film. Like you have this idea and you have this opportunity to tell in a phenomenal story, but if you're not prepared for it, then the the movie's gonna fall flat on its face. Like because if you didn't prepare even in the slightest for Broken, then the story would fell it would like it wouldn't gain traction among actors nobody would have wanted to get involved and it hurts so my so career forth. at a certain point. yeah and it, yeah because then eventually people recognize oh wow he failed right and so because you were able to get prepared you like you had the opportunity to tell a story and then because you were able to get prepared then you were now able to have success right. it's not my story which is good i mean it's a story i came up with but it's not an original story it's uh-huh. something that people i took like compilations of real people's experiences and things that we know that have happened is fact, mm-hmm. and we can't write a factual, you know, excerpt retelling yep. if we're not writing real experiences. Yep. And so, if we're not willing to do the research on how the brain works, if we're not willing to do the research on how, you know, low-income families, you know, scrape by every day, then we can't be willing, or we shouldn't be, mm-hmm. writing films that we don't know what we're talking about. Yep. I mean, that's what it comes down to: is writing what you know. And I know, like, I'm going to school for comedy filmmaking. I know how to tell jokes. I know what it's like to hang out with friends and to goof off. And it'd be really easy for me to sit there and write films like that. And to be honest, at this point, I'm going to continue doing that because mm-hmm. as a white man, I did feel uncomfortable telling these stories. I felt glad that I was given an opportunity and that people yep. trusted me. And the biggest compliment that I got wasn't, wow, um, the, you know, the acting was am- or take that out you know that's not what i mean the acting was amazing we got a great cast but the greatest compliment wasn't anything about my work in the film the greatest compliment was wow that was was a a pretty accurate that was a great experience that was a good story yeah yeah. and not like yeah what i should say the the greatest compliment wasn't oh the dialogue was amazing oh the other stuff you did was amazing it was that was a pretty accurate story yeah so that's like because that's a lot harder Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder for me to do it's a lot harder for me to write an accurate story than it is to write good and accurate dialogue, yep. which still helps and plays into it, uh-huh. you know. But that's just that's just the that's just the situation. And now mm-hmm. moving forward, like my new approach is, I loved that I was able to write a film about you know politics, and I was able to write a yep. film about race relations, and I felt lucky. But also in today's political climate, like I don't want to be in the position where I'm telling other people's stories yep. and where I'm the face of that because that's yeah it shouldn't be me so i'm i'm glad that i you know i'm going to comedy film mm-hmm. and i'm going to be able to write because i think i can still make a difference like you can still make a difference without being the front runner of yeah. you know like you don't have to be the white face. savior yeah, like you, you don't, don't have need to be that. the face of oh uh, yeah you don't have to be the face of change to make a change right and so i can make a change by making people laugh uh-huh. and by making them think about other things and by making them you know, making people come together in unity in a film and laughing and yep. enjoying themselves and letting the people who, you know, yeah, an impact, whose stories yeah, need to like be told be heard. an impact doesn't have to be this big, massive weight that you are holding. Like, you know, like making an impact, everybody thinks that they have to be this political activist. Everybody thinks that they have to be, uh, you know, all their movies have to be, have have an intention behind them. And it's like, well, why can't we make, why can't the impact just be positivity? Why can't the impact just be making people smile, making people laugh, no matter where you come from. And like, that's where I think comedy filmmaking comes into play is like, no matter your background, no matter, you know, your income status, no matter your, you know, what color, like none of it, like you are just, everybody can come together 
and right. we are able to relate on this like wow that was funny we all loved it and there's no because everyone can laugh yeah everyone can laugh not everyone can relate to each other's experiences yeah. not everyone can relate to you know what it's like to be black or what it's like to not have you know to be low income family mm-hmm. but everyone can laugh and that's what's so amazing mm-hmm. um and my favorite thing about comedy film and something that I'm challenging myself and everyone in film to do is there's a narrative these days that film needs conflict. And I yep. learned this. So one of my uh, script consultants, Matthew mm-hmm. um, Beyer, he helped me so much when I was writing uh, writing Broken. Um, he told me something that I've that's resonated with me ever since is when people are writing films mm-hmm. or stories in general, What's the first thing people think of is oh what's my plot what's my mm-hmm. conflict yeah so listen like this is this is a good point if you're we're if you're thinking that, if you're writing yeah. something and the first thing you think is what's the problem yeah what's, what's the conflict yeah. what should go wrong the fact of the matter is Hollywood in the way that entertainment industry is built mm-hmm. is that in order for a film to be deemed successful yeah something needs to go wrong something has there to go wrong to and then has to be solved a problem yeah so like days and confused uh huh is an old, you know, 90s comedy mm-hmm. that's funny, a little dated, but some great moments. Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey is one of his first big films. Yeah. It's where the all right, all right, all yeah, right yeah. came from, you I know? I love that movie. Um, it's, a, it's a great one. All it is is high schoolers mm-hmm. on their last day or on their first day of summer. Yep. It's amazing. There's not a real plot. They're just no. hanging around, yep. goofing off, and being in high school. And that shows that that's okay. And that probably yep. wouldn't do amazing in today's Rotten Tomatoes or in today's reviews because mm-hmm. people look and say, well, there's no conflict. Yeah. Which make if how, how much of a negative output is mm-hmm. that? If you're looking into a scenario thinking that there needs to be conflict for it mm-hmm. to be a good movie. Yeah. We can't just sit and enjoy something and enjoy an experience. Yeah. That, that, that was, I, I actually thought about that specific topic uh, when the, the new Kevin Hart movie, Fatherhood. Have you seen that yet? I started watching Dude. it. I didn't Phenomenal. finish. Phenomenal. I loved the movie. Like, it was a little predictable, first off, but... Yeah, first off, it was his first ever... See, like, it was one of his first ever serious roles. Like, he was funny in it maybe a few times, like, just classic film comedy. I'll have to give it another chance. But, like, he quite literally was just... He was a dad that, like... I mean, he's a dad, he loses his wife, yeah. and he has to raise a kid by himself. That movie, like, the conflict was that he lost his wife. That was it. And the it happens... The rest was just him coming Five minutes into the movie? Five, yeah. ten minutes? So, like... To me, I I really enjoyed that they weren't harping on everything's going wrong, everything is life sucks, all this, all that. Like, no, it's just him trying to be a dad, and I appreciated that a little bit more than even though it wasn't like there were some uh, some weak plot points and things like that. But right. like as a whole, I enjoyed that the film wasn't okay, an epic journey. Ep- yeah, like he, he's growing, he's growing. Oh my gosh! In the middle of the film, he gets hit with this right. thing, and he has to recover from it, and then he comes back, and it's he like has a great comeback story. It's just like. That happens in every right. single film. Like, it was the the plot and like I guess what happens I guess was predictable, but how it made me feel wasn't. Right. And oh, right. In most movies, I can predict how it's going to make me feel. I'm yeah, going to love a character. I'm going to hate a moment, and then I'm going to love the movie. There's a um, the first thing when we're writing, the first thing we learn is the beat sheet, the Snyder's beat sheet, mm-hmm. and that is almost any movie or supposed to be any perfect movie falls into a beat sheet where they hit their beats perfectly. That's mm-hmm. you know where the uh, the proposition is introduced. The you know the in- the intriguing journey. The um the bad guys close in. The resolution. All that stuff yep. is introduced, and it gets a point where 
if every movie's following that beat sheet, like then it's we not, can read it. Like you, it's read not a interesting. Beat sheet. It's yeah. like I'm watching the same thing. And as a filmmaker, I'm sure you can attest. When you watch stuff, you can predict it. Even oh, crazy gosh. movies like Tenet, like you can see these things coming mm-hmm. because of the fact you know, oh, it's gonna hit. Well, these, they have to hit. They, they have, have to hit, hit these this beats. Beat. Or you know what they do? Investors will open your scripts, go 20 pages in, and if there isn't an intriguing offer within the first 20 pages, mm-hmm. then they throw your script right in the trash and say, I'm not going to give you money. Yep. So that that forces people to write a certain way. Yeah. So that Where they, Quentin Tarantino... So they can hit certain beats and right. like, so they know what's going to sell. Because that's what sells. Yeah. It's not because that's what makes a good movie. But, but what's what's interesting... No, you're right. It's not what makes a good movie, but it's what, in, in some senses, what like short-minded people follow, right? Like... You, they're just like, oh, I watch. Most people just watch movies for the entertainment of it. Like, believe it or not, we live in a world where the majority <laughs> yeah. of people don't look at a movie and break it down and right. analyze it and recognize how it was made and and enjoy these you know very intricate moments. It's like, oh wow, did you notice how he like looked that way? It's that like transition. No, didn't wow. notice that once, but like that's the it, same framing as the scene that yeah scene in the beginning. Yeah, and so therefore, yeah, and so most people they're just looking because if it. They're looking to for movies to make them feel good or make them feel a certain way. And so whenever they hit these specific beats, it's almost a formula for people to feel a certain spoon way. Spoon feeding them. Yeah, it's spoon feeding them a formula. And so it's like when certain movies, and I think you're about to go this direction, when certain movies break off right. of that chain, right. other people like us are able to be like, wow, Whoa. that was impressive. But don't get it, me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Because uh-huh. I don't want to be like, ugh, the Blake Snyder's beat sheet is terrible. I have memorized that thing. I've yeah. written... I mean, I've I've You've written the movies I've written have yeah. fallen the beats. Yeah. They they've done it like, and it's the number one rule of breaking rules is is you have to know the rules if you're gonna break. Yeah, them. you have to understand. Yeah, yeah. Right. That like was, Quinn Tarantino can break all the Blake Snyder's beat sheets. Want to know why he can do that? Because he knows it front. He and back. He knows it front and back, and he knows he can make a movie following those beats. Yeah. So before you just go and start breaking the system and writing revolutionary films, you need to be able to write. The basics. You mm-hmm. need to. I mean, they're there for a reason. They're not there yeah. just to make money, I guess, but they are there to make a good, simple story. The no, simple, yeah, yeah. like those climax mountain, climax mountains that we learned yeah. in um, middle school. Mm-hmm. It follows those because that's what a, a yeah. traditional story is. So before you go and write Django, yeah, you need to be able, or like Pulp Fiction, you need to be able to yeah, understand, understand, and yeah. and know because yeah, where you're breaking like, it. Like in, in especially like in in cinematography and in, on a on a technical side of things. Like if I don't understand what the 180 degree rule is, if I don't understand you know the 30 degree rule, like you just start throwing out all these numbers. Or, or if I don't understand what a 50 mil is going to do to my to do to my shot and things like that, then I'm not allowed to use it. I'm not allowed right. to break the 180 because if I don't understand what it's doing in my scene, like if I don't understand that it's driving right. my story, if it's keeping people, it's going to look intentional. It's, yeah, it's like, going to look unintentional. I mean. It's going to look unintentional. It's going to look sloppy. And so when you have people trying to get like all these like art students, and when you have all these like film majors and things like that that are like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to do all these artsy things because they see pros doing it. They see people like Christopher Nolan. They see people like Quentin Tarantino doing all of these insanely artsy things and it's like wow that was really cool and that was like that was impressive that was breaking the boundaries of things it's like that's really cool and all but if you don't know why they're doing it then it's going to make your movie look like garbage because breaking the 180 in their movie was intentional and it drove the story further but breaking the 180 in your movie is because they did it and it shows and And it it shows shows. that you're doing it because somebody else did it right or it shows even just because you don't know why you're doing it because it's not important in that moment like when you're setting up shots knowing your why yeah, there you go. Look at Goes that, dude. Your First look moments. When you're doing your shots, you need to know your coverage. Like, uh-huh. y- you need like a lot of filmmakers will have coverage of all their shots. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're wide, where the action is, and yeah, then yeah. you know the 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 cutaways and stuff. You know, I don't know much about the cinematography yeah. world, but I know 
Enough how coverage works in yeah, framing. Yeah. Um, and you need coverage for every shot. But when you know, okay, this is what we're going for, you yep. can start sacrificing some of that coverage and sacrificing some of those shots yep. because you have that why, you have that intention. Yeah, because if not, you're just it's just gonna look like yeah. you forgot a shot and you just stuck with one shot yeah. too long. Yeah, if you have a if you have an end goal, right? So like if and that's where understand like yes, understanding why you're doing it. So if I understand, okay, this is how they need to feel. This is what I want them to walk away with. This is, you know, uh, the what I want it to look like in the end. This is how I want somebody to interpret the next scene. So therefore, I'm going to hold on the shot a little bit longer. Or I want to disorient the character. I want the character to feel disoriented. Therefore, I'm going to pop on the other side of the 180. Or I want them to feel stressed. Okay, I'm going to tilt the camera a little right. bit. Or I'm going to get a little bit closer. I'm going to make them feel trapped. I'm going to make Dutch them feel uncomfortable. Action. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Like, on, son. I think understanding and it being intentional if right. you understand okay then getting in tighter does one of two things one it either sets more uh, you either feel closer to the to the character and it feels more emotional and you feel you know more attached to the character or it makes the character feel trapped therefore it gives mm. you anxiety and so it's like if you just understand your reasoning going into making any decision on a set or Literally. in writing if you know your reasoning of oh here's why this character is going to say this when or here's why this character is going to walk into this room when or you know here's why you know we're in this location for this reason like whatever your 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 explanation is if you don't understand your basic whys if you don't understand like like we're going back to the beginning is the character arc if you don't understand the or the overarching story if you don't understand how to achieve those achieve a story if you don't know how to achieve a story then you're not allowed to make these uh, you know stylistic or tasteful decisions right and to go full circle you can't make any of those stylistic or you know intentional decisions unless you're communicating mm -hmm. and developing chemistry, chemistry baby you chemistry. need to be able to have that you're not gonna have room to yeah. be able to sacrifice coverage or have room to be able to, you know, be intentional about certain things if you don't trust the person who's yep. making those decisions yep. and if you can't trust that, you know, sacrificing something yep. that some that uh, the person who has your back is going to yeah. pick and up no, for and, you. And, and you have to be so, so smooth with your communication. You have to be so diligent with your communication because if the writer slash director or the writer, director, whatever, if they're not communicating their vision and if I don't understand forwards and backwards what you're trying to achieve in your story – then me as the cinematographer is going to run with this based off of what I want to achieve with right. this story. And that's not what the overarching goal all, is. All and so understand if everybody has good communication, then we're able to have good chemistry on set, off set, before, pre, post, during production, so on and so forth. If we don't have good chemistry, then we're not going to have a good story. Or even have – you might still have a good story, but uh -huh. you might not have room no. to be able to have, yeah, yeah, yeah. To have more fun or – which then is going to make means mm -hmm. you're sacrificing mm -hmm. more opportunity and more to uh, be stylistic, right. to be choice driven. Which is where yeah. you develop yourself as uh -huh. a filmmaker, writer, yeah. director. Yeah, so I mean, and, and that's where, because if I if I know all the basics and then I'm going to work with somebody I've never met before and they also know all the basics, then we should at least we should at the bare minimum be able to produce an all right standard movie. Film. We should be able to produce a standard film. We should be able to hit the beats. We should be able to get proper coverage. And we should be able to edit it, and it should be an all right film. But then once we start developing the chemistry, and we start developing, okay, well here's, 
here's where he's kind of going in this direction. So what if we tried this Let's stylistically? Let's yeah. Now, now that you trust me without a shadow of a doubt, and I trust you without a shadow of a doubt, let's take some risks and let's elevate this film past just hitting the right. beats. So what? I I know that this is your your show, mm-hmm. but I want to ask you a question. Yeah. yeah no, no. So what's the thing? Besides communicating, I guess, where your head's at and communicating your knowledge, mm-hmm. what's the thing that you can do to develop that chemistry? Is it just working with someone over and over? Is it, you know, like you mentioned failing with that person. Like what's that thing that mm-hmm. you can do to really – and I and maybe maybe some of it isn't even intentional mm-hmm. or ex- like maybe you can't even explain some of it. Like some people you just work yeah. well with yeah. because you, you have the click. same mindset. So what's yeah. what would you say so that I think, is? I think – to be able to get anybody, so like, let's say I'm going onto a film set. Let's say I'm going into into whatever field, right? Let's say I'm a uh, I'm a singer, and I want the audio crew in the back to to, to latch onto my idea. And it goes back to passion is the most contagious thing that a person can have. And so if you well, and COVID, in in COVID, <laughs> especially the new Delta variant, get vaccinated. Gross. If you are the if you're able to have passion about a topic if you're able to drive this boat with so much confidence in why you're doing what you're doing right like so if i'm able to if i walk into a room and i'm just ex- radiating this this passion and excitement for the for the topic then people everybody else is going to get excited and so because you're excited because i'm excited we're naturally going to accomplish the best possible goal and so like if you're passionate about the idea and i'm passionate about the idea then we're probably going to have good chemistry because we're here for a goal and that goes just there to make money yeah yeah so if you're there well yeah if you're just there to you know get a paycheck then i'm just gonna look at you and be like no 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 no. like let's just hit the beats let's you know just get get proper coverage you gotta know who you can yeah let's just get in and out get in out with so like and i and, and i think you're never gonna be able to just build chemistry based on like oh i just want to build chemistry but like People, it's just going to happen naturally because right. of the passion, because of sitting down and experiencing the whys and things like that. And I'm that's testing why, the waters. Yeah, and, I, and that's why I think even outside of the filmmaking that, and learning to fail together and learning to, to, to succeed together, I think that's the number one is the sacrificing and the failing, succeeding. But outside of it, like things like just hanging out, like not focused on the film. Like if you're just able to have a good time with this person just as a person, not as like – so. Tanner as a director is a different person than Tanner as Tanner, right? Tanner's director sucks, man. Love Tanner. What a jerk. <laughs> Tanner's director sucks. Tanner is Tanner. <laughs> Great. Cool guy. Yeah. So like, cool guy alert. Let's, like, so if I wasn't, if I didn't want to hang out with just Tanner, then why on earth would I want to go make a movie with director Tanner? Gross. Knowing that there's probably going to be more stress involved in the entire concept, and so latching onto you as a person, and in, in this, I guess that you know, passes to every single right. facet and that it passes to everybody else. If I'm able to latch onto you as a person, then I'm probably going to latch onto the things that you're passionate about. One, because mm. I respect you and like, I want to like, I, like I have latched onto Tanner as it, as an individual entity. And so because I've latched onto Tanner, then I'm willing and I'm more willing to latch onto your ideas, right. your passions, it's like an your investment, ambitions. Dude. Yeah, it's like, like an investment. And so again, I don't Bitcoin. think- you're a Bitcoin. I'm investing in... Just hold, man. Yeah. Don't sell. Hold diamond strong hands. Diamond strong hands. To the moon, baby. <laughs> to the moon. To the moon. We're bringing it back. Get on GameStop right now. GameStop. GameStop. We just restarted it. It's going back to the moon. Yep. All the college students listening right now. GameStop's invest. coming back, baby. Or what's the new wave? What's the new wave? Not GameStop. 
GameStop. GameStop. Uh, New wave. Uh, let's get back get on, on Dogecoin, dude. That kind of made me mad when we it gotta crashed. Get on ramen. Let's invest in ramen. Huh? A cup of noodles. Yeah. Staple. American staple. You or heard me. we should invest in staples. Staples. Nah. Everybody needs office Everyone supplies. Everyone has an office. Always. Man. And maybe invest in to staples. go full circle, you can buy me a new chair at Staples. Because this thing, I'm having serious scoliosis. Scoliosis. It's curving your spine as yeah. we speak. As <laughs> we speak. I'm feeling it. I'm like that scene in old. God. I've heard that's a crazy movie. It's hard movie. to watch. I've heard that's a crazy movie. It was really good. But that scene, brutal, man. If you guys know what I'm talking about, imagine me doing that right now. Just rolling around in a cave with this chair. If this was if eternity. this was filmed, I would like put in a clip of it happening just for comedy's sake. <laughs> but <laughs> oh. oh well, I think that's all we, that we have time for today. Tanner, thank you for coming on to the Film Fit podcast. Thank you, man. I it's hope that you learned time. something today. Can I come back? Sure. This is great. Thanks, yeah. man. I did learn something. Yeah, it, all well, this one. Hopefully, hopefully, when you come back on break or something, so I'll have you back on in December because he's going to college, guys. Ooh. So go Blue Demons to Paul Chicago. So hopefully, when you come back, I'll have you back on in December, and we'll uh, hopefully you'll teach me something, something new, maybe, and you'll be like, "Hey, look what I learned at the DePaul University." Boom. Do you guys say the? Or is that just oh, Ohio yeah, no, State? Oh, yeah, no, we say the for sure. Because I know Ohio State like patented the or something stupid. Yeah, yeah they have a corner on the. Yeah, the. We have it on the. Ah, it's the, the, DePaul, the University. DePaul University. Well, yeah, that's all that we have time for. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, thank you, Tanner, for coming on to the show. And make sure that you share this podcast with anybody that you think would edu- or learn something from this. Hopefully that it educates them. And make sure that you tune in next week when I learn how to swim with my hands tied behind my back. Tune in. Tune in.